0: Greetings and welcome to Bombadil's Porch For the 100th episode If you are still joining us you wasted about a hundred hours <laughs> i mean you've spent about a hundred hours of your life with us and uh and that's
1: fantastic uh that is many, fantastic how many
2: hours have we spent since since for every right. hour of recording there's an hour of banter beforehand at least sometimes more and,
1: <laughs> some of our best episodes we were no, not
2: recorded We're not
1: recorded
0: so we were just wow. talking about uh, Christians in uh, Christian movies. No, we weren't. <laughs> we, <or> we, <laughs> oh,
2: we could talk about. But legs. I did.
0: But I did watch a movie, a, a short, a short film uh, by Gibberim Studios or something like that. They're they're trying to kind of get promoted. Um, Hold the pass. Guess, did you guys see that I one? I haven't Seen that? No, is this like Sparta? It's kind. It's kind of like Sparta. It's a. It's a based on. Uh, Based on a verse in the Bible about Shamgar, oh, <laughs> so, <really? laughs> so
1: <laughs> wow, and uh, he holds the pass. I this suppose is, with the name like Gibberim Studios or whatever that should have been. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's that what they're coming. called, something like that. Anyway, they're, they're, the it's, just, man. <laughs> it's really kind of a proof of concept uh, film.
0: Okay, a um, little bit of blood.
1: Is it like it's a little proof bit of, of concept? Meaning, that, is the concept Christians can be edgy too, or what's well, the concept? So yeah, I, I'm a little bit torn about it because okay. I've got I've got yeah. a, a buddy that.
0: That is is somewhat involved somehow. I'm not exactly sure. It's a bit okay. unclear to me. But he was like, "Can you watch this and review it?" And I did leave a positive review on Amazon. And, and I overall, I'm
1: I'm yeah. It was it was interesting. It was this worth feels watching. Like a wind up to one of those. It was good for a Christian movie reviews.
0: Well, no. So it, it wasn't. <laughs> you no, know, my my my. The tension, of course, is that is the Bible deals with a lot of really you know crazy topics and things, mm-hmm. right? Um, That I don't know if they belong. I don't know if, if, if Christian film fits or if it should just be left to like, yeah, that was, oof, if you imagine it while you read it, you know, like there's lots of portions, you know, for yes. example, they tried to make the movie based on that, uh, on Hosea yep. um, about the, the book that was based on Hosea recently. And it's just like, you know, can you
2: do that well? And it seemed, well, uh, I didn't see it, but I heard about it. Like it was probably what I heard is that movie. I forget what it was called. Yeah, I do too right now. Something love, but uh, I think it was. But anyway, I heard that movie was like over the line. Like in terms of sensuality on screen, it seemed like it went too sure. Far. It, it
0: probably wasn't too far Which if you were really trying Hosea's? to be, yeah. If you were really <laughs> trying brief. to
1: actually portray Hosea, <laughs> right? Um, but except looking at what Hosea. P- p- Portrays. Yes. Right. The point of Hosea is not to portray exactly. the immorality. It was based on the reality of the yeah. immorality. Mm-hmm.
0: So when you've got one verse about Shamgar in, you know, in the Old yeah. Testament,
1: there's, there's two ox-code. verses.
0: He's mentioned twice, but, but one about <laughs> what he did, right? Killing 600 Philistines uh, with an ox goad. There's a lot of white space there, right? And so even in a 20 minute kind of a short proof a sure. concept film there's a lot of white space which is probably like, why. how do yes! you create, how do you create some backstory how do you you know what's going on where does it happen in this case it, it all happened in the past. all based off of a love
1: interest yeah <laughs> that's well, what
0: it was it was protecting his 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 wife
1: and kids to some maybe, degree right yes. uh, so part of it love I didn't yes. see any oxen in stick. it no yeah, oxen I didn't see oxen them. I don't think where do you get the bone mm, then? maybe it was kind of a donkey well, goat the odd ox goat. well what I don't know what is the yeah and the goat for poking stubborn animals a stick I don't want to –
0: maybe they did a lot of research into it and I just don't know what an ox goat is. But I mean I grew (laughs) up in in South America where people were herding oxen all the time down the roads with – goads which was basically just a pointer stick you know like nope go <laughs> that way go that way what, what's the that pointer was, sound so,
1: yeah, <laughs> sorry that <laughs> was more like a chicken herding
2: chicken herding <laughs> one thing i've noticed is like
1: just the sounds we make for things that's not the sounds they use around the world and it's like i remember the first time my wife was like oh there's a rabbit or a, uh, not a rabbit a, a frog and she goes it's a little frog ghetto ghetto she and said, went, "Ghetto, ghetto, ghetto." What? Ghetto? It's <laughs> k- 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 like ghetto frog. I'm like this, this gangster frog, and she's like, "Well, that's the sound they make, ghetto, ghetto." And I'm like, "No, we do ribbit? ribbit, and she's like, "Listen to it." And I was like, "You're right. That doesn't sound like ribbit at all."
0: I think that the krik k- k- is what they say krik k- k- in Italian. In, in Japan, in Japan, so in Japan different
2: sounds in Japan than here. Uh, no, it's just that's yeah, <laughs> ghetto, ghetto. That's, yeah. <laughs> ghetto, ghetto. But you uh, know yeah, what it else? Works. You know what else is suggested? Can can the does the Japanese language have sounds for ribbit, ribbit? Um, I don't know. If they have no. They do. Good, uh, do no, they have a good R? If there was an L sound, we what would be is in trouble. What does a rooster?
0: Trouble. What does a rooster make here in, in uh, the U.S.? Cockle doodle do. Yeah kiki di in Italian. <laughs> it's a little different. But, like, that <laughs> but, works. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just interesting. Like,
1: it never occurred to me that there wasn't an international standardized animal sound dictionary or... There is not. Or a, a goading sound. In fact,
0: I had an English uh, class uh, devoted to... Animal sounds just to so they could understand what the English, at least the American English, animal sounds were when I talk all English cows in Italy. Say
2: moo? What did they say in Italy? What did mm, the cows say? Yeah, because they say I don't standard.
1: remember
0: that one. <laughs> okay. The
2: one I'm particularly curious about
1: is what did the fox say? <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. yes, "Hati, hati, hati, ho." <laughs> <laughs> what,
1: did the song, what did the song say? Hottie, it was hottie, more hottie, like. Hottie, a... Yeah. It was something like that. Something that the I like had never heard of this until I met Caleb. This was one of the many, many, many things that revealed how uncultured I was. Uh, I was, and it is. It's refreshing to think how much smarter I am having talked to him for a hundred episodes. Wow, mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. I brought mm-hmm. a lot of interesting a lot of flavor, tidbits. international but, um, but trivia. Alas, that is not what we were talking
2: about. Who knows what we're? T- I can't remember now. Yeah, <laughs> we, we were supposed to be doing like a so, part
0: two of uh, of last week's episode because we had a lot of great you. feedback. That Chris was started off as us off earlier when we were just having our own personal conversation here.
2: Right. Yeah. Chris some of the show. We got some feedback from the last show and it was yeah. positive or people were throwing Rotten fruit. Well, I said it was positive. Okay.
1: Caleb turned it into negative.
2: What? Well, then I said, because you negative. said it was positive, and I couldn't remember what <laughs> yeah, we talked about. What did we about? talk about? It was, like was like a whole week ago. And then and I, I said, said, what What were we talking about? And, and Caleb
1: said, we disagree. Yeah, I said, and I fighting. disagreed with you, Nate. You don't remember? <laughs> yeah. You said
2: people disagree with you all the time. Well, constantly. That's like my profession <laughs> disagreement and rebuttal. So that didn't bring it to memory. <laughs> no, but then you refreshed me. So what did you disagree with me about well, we in were, the last show? We were discussing couples getting married young, marriage. Yes, getting it's married a young.
1: arrangement. That's yes, right.
2: Malice. And what what specifically did we disagree about? I I think I made a comment that uh, about some people get married too young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your position was no. Well, the I mean, the yes, I think that was his yeah. position. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I was pushing back. I guess oh, on, spell on marriage on Done. the the you know because you were you were. Insinuating, perhaps, implying. Ooh, that insinuating. Perhaps. Oh, t- interesting. Perhaps how much more it.
1: negative insinuate yeah. feels imply. than imply? Sorry, imply. Like
0: imply. <laughs> 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 you were implying. We'll you, uh, you know that, that you know you need that it would be better. I don't know maybe not need to, but be better for Try, try to use kind words, but anyway, mm-hmm. and not misrepresent your position, but for. <laughs> For young people to be already well established, and in your mind that meant oh, you, out uh, of yes. college and uh, you know that sort of thing. Okay, yeah,
1: and thirty-five so, or more. Yeah, minute, I think you no. said fifty <laughs> at least. Married. Fifty <laughs> when before it comes you to our dating. daughters, at least. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
2: Okay. Um, Sorry about my cough, guys. No um, worries. Just don't do it in the, the mic. Um, yeah, I'm trying to avoid <laughs> it over here. I'm coughing on Caleb's shoe instead. Okay, or, oh, there we go. That's fine. The oh, so yeah. I think the question was, how young is too young? Is it is it an age thing? And I don't. Yeah. And I don't think you know. I don't think it's an age thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a couple of different factors. Uh, but the one in particular is there are some young couples that seem to get married and are actually able to live kind of independently. And I think that's that's important, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas there are other couples, um, and and when we lived in California, we saw some of this that um, young, you know, young guy and a young girl get married, and and yet their life, their lives are financially subsidized by mom or dad or both, mm-hmm. and uh, and even when kids came along, like all of a sudden grandma was the daycare as well, and it was kind of well, like looking at that, it's like, well, maybe you weren't ready to get married. Cause it wouldn't work mm. if you didn't have people helping you pay for things and take care of your kids mm-hmm. for you and all that. And, and it, so I think that was, um, from a, from a, f- uh, a financial independence standpoint, that's probably where I was coming from. And maybe, maybe we still have a difference of opinion, which is fine. Um, mm, but, but w- oh, go ahead. I, I mean, I, I there, There's a maturity standpoint sure. as well, but let's focus on the financial you know, can can you stand on your own or or not, or do you need to live in in Dad's basement in order to make this work? What do you think?
0: Well, so I was just going to say, what what about in a culture or a country like Italy, for example, where we live for a number of years, where where that's that's it's partly the norm, but it's partly the need, where it's it's almost impossible because of the way, um, I mean, just the the way that the economy is, or the for a couple to not have help, right? Mm-hmm. In the sense that the property, unless you have an apartment that's handed down to you, so you own it, but from grandma or grandpa or whoever else passed away, right? Um, then then you, you're likely, and this we saw as often where you're going to have a husband and wife who both work if they, if they get married I and mean, hopefully they get married. Oftentimes yeah. they're just not married. <laughs> uh, a couple that has a kid and we found out a lot later, we didn't realize that that was more normal <laughs> when we lived there. But, but then, yeah, but then oftentimes it is grandma, who now culturally that's a little different than here, um, but uh, but you know if if the financial portion is the only thing, uh, then there would never be a guy in Italy that's probably ever ready to be married, as it is half the time the guys are thirty five living at mom's house. Is that still right? so yeah, oh yeah, it's very common. Interesting. I guess that's becoming more common here in the states as well. But is it becoming more common because we have men that are waiting till they're financially stable, or is it because
2: <laughs> no, no, they're they're I mean, wanting to sit in the mom's basement wanna, and play video wanna, games? They want to play PlayStation, and have someone else cook them dinner, and um, do their laundry, and do their laundry. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. I mean, you're you're spot on. I mean, culturally speaking, some nations, um, it would be in, you have multiple generations living. I mean, there's you know Latin America. It's quite it's quite acceptable to have multiple generations living in a in a homestead together,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that we don't you don't find that being the norm in North America. What, what about other parts of Europe, Caleb? I know you lived in Italy, so you had firsthand knowledge. What about other parts of Europe in your what yeah? Do you I say? mean,
0: I think probably in at least in in Western Europe. I think there's there's historically Spain and Italy France. I mean, I, I believe that those countries are are all fairly similar in that there's been that they were historically. I mean, in the, similar to Latin America where you have yeah. a, a heavy reliance on family. Still, there's a, quite a bit of family connection. You, a lot of people live in the same town that they grew up in. You've got friends from the same you know, and so I think there is a, a more of a reliance. Now I, I can't speak to it definitively, but but it does seem like there's more of a multi generational mm-hmm. um, emphasis where you get together at least with grandma and grandpa and sometimes grandma and grandpa live with you or, you know, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and, and probably more in much of the world, I think, uh, than, than other places. Now, I don't know. I I probably not so much in Germany and some of the other countries, you know, that are maybe more, I don't know.
2: Chris, with, with Izumi growing up internationally, Mm -hmm. um, Did that? How did that factor in as you two considered marriage? And and I know you met young, but when did you guys? Mm -hmm. When when did you guys get married? Were you were you still in college or just after college? And and and, then after college, how did her background and her parents' expectations Mm -hmm. factor in?
1: Yeah, we got married uh, in the middle of my seminary education, um, but we had gotten out of college. Uh, She's the daughter of a missionary, uh, Swiss missionaries, and you know they they had figured out how to make ends meet in Japan by finding jobs that would work you know which in their case was teaching a third language you know to to students there uh so they they grew up with a good work ethic um and and not i mean they, they they're comfortable but not lavish uh in in Europe it does seem like there's a couple at least in in the in the Swiss culture that I've had a little bit of experience with there's a val- there's a high value on value but not necessarily on quantity um so my my bedroom doesn't need forty pieces of furniture and you know that are all made by ikea or Walmart that are falling apart and uh, my bathroom doesn't need nine hundred accessories and but, like, I want to have one nice toothbrush. I want to have a simple, well-made bed that doesn't fall apart. Mm-hmm. I want, you know, just so there's, in that culture, there's a minimalism just in the culture to a, to a large degree, especially Swiss culture. Uh, Japan culture is a pretty efficient culture as well. Mm-hmm. And they also value quality. You know, the, if you get a Japanese pencil, you're like, Oh,
2: <laughs> you
1: almost—I i want to write with this. They make the best <laughs> pens, you know. Great <laughs> best erasers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're just a, a value on quality. Yeah. Uh, and so I think uh, Izumi carried some of those things over where she's. Yeah, there was there was an anecdote I was going to share, but I'm not sure I will.
2: <laughs> um, Fair enough.
1: Yeah, and and not, and not a negative one, but a positive one. But uh, it might anyway. Um, she is uniquely among people I've met, and and much more so than me. Just not not given to a love of things. She really has very few things in her life that she has great affection for. Um, she loves. People she loves experiences um and and that's allowed her to be very comfortable in a in a wide variety of circumstances and that's been a huge blessing uh
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh one anecdote I can share is when when our dating uh was coming towards an an end uh and engagement was becoming imminent uh she told me in no uncertain terms. Um, I do not buy me a ring with a real diamond in it. <laughs> mm. really? She says, I do not like the idea that I'm wearing a month's rent around my finger, mm. <laughs> you know? And that was, that was just her, her kind of outlook on life. Again, mm. there's just no affection for things, um, uh, in that way. Not that mm. they, not that there can't be things that are sentimental, but they're not sentimental to her because, uh, of the status that they, they confer or because of, you know, her feeling like I now possess this thing, uh, that,
2: that reflects on me in this way. Why, where do you think she, where do you think that came from in, in mm-hmm. her upbringing or her life experience? Cause I can completely relate to that being a missionary mm-hmm. kid as well.
1: Yeah. So you tell me, we,
2: uh, well, I, I mean, I don't <laughs> know where I, you know, I'm curious where, where, how that was nurtured mm-hmm. in Izumi. I know for me in particular, my dad was not real attached to, to things and, um, it partly, partly he got saved a little later in life, but he, he came from kind of a hippie mentality mm. stuff is just a, not that important. Um, not to say that he couldn't enjoy things either. That was what was interesting. Like some people almost have like a fear an animosity right. yeah. and animosity towards things. And that wasn't the case. People were generous with him at times in our family and we enjoyed things, um, but I I can relate to that 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 kind of being nurtured in in my heart that you know enjoying if God gives you certain things maybe maybe there's some nice stuff that has come your way but keeping a light grasp on it and 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 I think this is something that Nita and I really share as well is is that uh, we really are a, a great sense of our delight. And in our, in our satisfaction, I'm, by the way, I'm avoiding the word contentment (laughs) intentionally, Um, but a great sense of delight and satisfaction comes from people Mm. and experiences with those people. Um, Mm. We were just talking about this earlier today. Um, We know some people that are, um, you know, somewhere in our stage of life that are in a rush to retire. Um, I I think it's kind of an invoke thing, even a movement in the country. Right. And, um and Hey, I'm not against retiring early, but, but one of the things we commented on for both of us was, um, if, if I, and I don't plan on retiring early, but if I did a big portion of my motivation would be more time with her and more, and a big portion and more experiences with her. And, um, and, and yet we were, as we've, you know, heard, YouTubers and st- It sounds like a lot of folks, their, their big motivation is elsewhere. Like you know, not to spend more time with their spouse, but to spend more time with their buddies or whatever. Hmm. So anyway, I go back to, uh, I can, I can relate to that, that, that high premium on experiences and on hmm. people. And, um, and I, I that's why I was curious if if they if her growing up as a missionary as well maybe maybe there's a connection there. it might just be that our parents I think that's part of her it. parents and my parents might have had similar value systems even though they grew up worlds apart It's quite possible i mean her her dad is
1: very entrepreneurial mm-hmm. and uh and very creative in in that way but um yeah it does not seem to be somebody who's um uh, over you know just taken by by things. But I think a lot of it for a lot of missionary kids is they they don't they don't grow up with within a single cultural framework mm-hmm. um, and they don't absorb as readily the materialistic idolatry of the cultures around them because they're shifting between them so frequently mm-hmm. and uh, I think they can be part of it Azumi's uh, often commented that she in a very real sense has no sense of really um cultural affinity with anywhere but heaven (laughs) you Mm. know that uh that's the only the only place that sounds like her place is a place she's never actually been before she doesn't feel like she's um, culturally swiss she doesn't Mm. feel like she's culturally japanese she doesn't feel like she's even fully culturally american because she's bopped around in her life between those places but but heaven is the place that feels most real that's where her identity is Mm. is connected Mm. just even intellectually mentally in in her mind and and i think that that's um, a really a really neat perspective that that reflects on how she views this world and in some ways I think the things of this world do grow strangely dim mm. when she's reflecting on her real hometown. Mm. Mm.
2: I totally relate to that as well. Maybe Caleb you can as well cuz you grew up on the mission field yeah. that nowhere feels like home. Mm-hmm. And and there is a positive to a diverse international upbringing. There are many positives to that. You develop yeah. you develop an appreciation for um, different people, different cultures. I think, you'd, uh, in my case, you develop a thirst or a hunger for adventure. Adventure being defined in various ways. In our case, adventure is exp- the experience of different places and cultures. Sometimes that adventure is a bit dark. By the way, um, it's not always fascinating. Mm. You go to some places, especially as a Christian, and and you um, and the the spiritual oppression is almost palpable yeah. in some places. Um, the uh the other thing I would I would add though is and I, I experienced this as a teenager. Uh we'd lived in multiple places and then um I went back but we were living outside of Philadelphia, dad was pastoring a church there, and during my summer break went on a short-term mission trip, just myself mm-hmm. and flew out to help this mission agency that I knew bring a ship from Australia up into um Micronesia and and that sounds way more glamorous than it is this thing was a <laughs> this thing was a bucket of bolts but it was being converted into a medical uh ship and and my job was low, lowest man on the totem pole nice after we did that though great experience uh multicultural experience mm. after we did that though i flew through guam or i was flying out of guam that's ultimately where i ended up to fly back to the us but spent a few days there and i grew up in guam uh, at least a, a good chunk of my growing up was in guam and i was really excited because guam always felt like home mm-hmm. when i was cuz you you feel like a fish a little bit like a fish out of water everywhere you go mm-hmm. and went back to guam and uh, a friend of my family's loaned me a car and just i had total independence and drove around and realized that didn't feel like didn't feel like home because it was changed mm-hmm. all the people that i knew were gone except mm-hmm. for a handful right and, and I think I've experienced that same thing that nowhere feels like home. And, um, and so in a way it's kind of interesting cause you develop a light touch. You didn't, you don't have roots that go down in any one particular mm-hmm. place. On the other hand though, you can feel a little bit like a tumbleweed too. Um, right. That wherever you go, you, you have a chameleon like capacity Have mm-hmm. developed. You can blend in anywhere um, but at the same time, don't feel like you actually belong anywhere. And I think it's fascinating and, and inspiring, really, how Izumi has has placed her heart where it ought to, where all of us ought to have it placed, that we really don't belong anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, our home is, our citizenship, our home is ultimately in heaven. Um, and, w- and there's probably a million songs about this, right? We're just oh, passing yeah. through. Right? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah.
1: and, oh, go ahead. Oh, no.
0: After you, well, I was going to say, yeah, I, I agree. My missionary experience similar to that. I mean, I think I think missionary kids can can go uh, one of two ways. Oftentimes, though, just in as maybe a, another mm-hmm. another thing, for sure, the nowhere home. No, you know, where is home? Nowhere's home. I and mean, when you, you know, just because of the transition, moving around uh, for for me, I'm um, I'm sure for Linda too. For a long time, it was Venezuela for her because that was you know where she grew up. But but uh, you know, then. The realization that it's not the same. You go back, it's not the same. Um, whereas home, we spent, you know, years in Italy and that was felt, felt like home for a while. Um, and then it was like, oh, nope, not gonna be home. And so we're, we're back here and we're kind of getting to where it's like, all right. But well, we have a home here. And so it feels like, you know, we're making a home uh, that, that exists here. Uh, as far as the, as far as the contentment though, I, you know, I've seen missionaries and I've struggled with it even myself a little bit. Um, when I first came back from the field, especially when I first got a job and was able to have money that I could spend on my own for whatever I wanted to, um, to be able to finally buy things that I wanted, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I couldn't have done that as a missionary kid because I, parents didn't have, the means to get us whatever we wanted and we didn't have the, you know, they they didn't have, Mm -hmm. we didn't have access to a lot of things either. So it was, you know, and so I I think I've seen missionary kids kind of go to extremes with that too that have come back where they finally are able to. And so they just go whole hog into the consumer worlds, buying whatever they want, getting whatever they want. Now I, I was still limited in my, in my ability to purchase whatever I wanted to, but I bought a lot of CDs, right? Christian CDs, Man. stuff like that, where I was like, I'm going to have the vastest Christian CD music collection. So, you know, everything from novella to, you know, white cross to tourniquet to whatever <laughs> it might be. I to this day. Uh, you know, i <laughs> so, got a song so for every occasion. I do pretty much in my mind somewhere. But, uh, but so anyways, I guess that would just be the, the, the flip side is, is, yeah, some of us actually have to then relearn that com- contentment with, and part of that, you know, is, for example, I, I know that we have a tendency to hold on to hold on to things. I know you were joking, Chris, earlier about about assuming we want to throw away your stuff, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but but we're we're in the same place where once in a while we have to go check ourselves and go, man, we got to get rid of some of this stuff. <laughs> but but we both, Linda and I, because we grew up in South America, grew up in places where, man, if you see a screw on the ground, you pick it up, put it in your pocket because you may not be able to find another one of those somewhere, and That's you're gonna need it, right? And so I mean, I remember my dad had this little a little area with all of his little screws and all of his little things. And so we'd go out there when we needed something and we'd look for it and we'd find it in one of the little bins. But those were all precious because you couldn't, you couldn't just go out to the store and get stuff all the time. Right. You know, uh, when you grow up, you know, washing Ziploc bags, things like that. We may have, we may be in a point in our country where because of inflation <laughs> and stuff where we're going to all have to start doing that anyway. Remember how to wash. Yeah. Remember. Oil and- exactly. Right. When you're
2: paying uh, 20 bucks for a bag of Ziplocs, uh, yeah. you start to reuse them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So
0: we're all going to need to learn a little bit of that, conserving maybe as well. But, but uh, anyway, I just, just to kind of throw that back. I know that wasn't really on the topic of, uh, of uh, well, parenting or uh, not parenting, but, of, uh,
2: Marriage, Raising marriage and but raising I wonder, men. I wonder, though, I mean, there's some value there, value of experience and mm-hmm. the value of seeing how others have done things that that we can pass on into into our kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, here we are, we're, we live. We don't live in an affluent area. Necessarily, but we live in a comfortable area comparatively. And by, by com- sure, and that, you know you can always find <laughs> yeah. something bad to compare to. Sure, um, I, I'm one of these folks that I, I always bristle when when um, people come back from a missions trip and now they suddenly hate uh, what God has given us abundance. Yeah. It's like don't that's, hate it. Nope. Just but hold it loosely and be generous. Sure, right? don't sure. hold on to it. And I and think that's, that's where our
1: culture our culture has trained that response, mm-hmm. which is which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It somehow seems to be morally. Morally advantageous to to hate the the hard won and graciously given advantages that they've grown up in, in enjoying, and that is that is a flavor of ingratitude. Yeah, that is that is both um, both an, an affront to the God who is the ultimate giver of good gifts, and an affront to the people who have come before them and have blessed them in that way. Mm. Uh, and I, I can get it. I mean, I remember traveling to the Ukraine for the first time and mm-hmm. just seeing, um, you know, a, a memory that always sticks with me is the first time we went, uh, we arrived at the airport. Uh, we got navigated through the airport, standing at the baggage carousel, no baggage, no baggage, no baggage, sorry, sorry, there's no baggage. Uh, so, you know, our carry-ons <laughs> we had, all of our luggage was gone. So you always pack uh, underwear in your
2: carry-ons. <laughs> yes. That's right. And, and always... always- Yes, we ought to do a show on international travel tips. Sometimes <laughs> yes, we should. We should. Yep.
1: Unfortunately, we're- we were traveling with uh, somebody who had been a pretty, pretty seasoned veteran of international travel, so they'd given us some of those tidbits. So oh, good, good. So that was there. Uh, but you know, none of, most of us had all of our clothes in our, in our in our travel, uh, our main uh, packed luggage. But we didn't have time to sit around and wait for it because we were going straight from the airport to hop on a train for I think it was about a 24 hour train ride out to the Carpathian Mountains and um mm. and so we were going to be on the opposite side of the country you know and so the bags will never find we go. you so we're thinking okay well that's <laughs> goodbye luggage we'll, we'll see right. what happens so we hop on that train and we go out and we we pull up at this uh, school it was a public school out in the middle of the mountains that they were renting during the summer for this uh, youth camp uh, for these Christian kids. And and we get out and and here's all these kids lined up cheering to welcome uh, the crazy people from America that are coming <laughs> to spend the summer with them and 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 as they came up to greet us we realized they they were all holding a pair of clothes a set of clothes and they were they all came out and they were giving us because oh. they'd heard our luggage was lost and they were all giving us a change of clothes mm. and uh, and one of the camp directors said you know the, the kids just really insisted on doing this when they heard that your luggage had been lost and uh, you need to understand they don't have many. Yeah. The ones that are giving you a pair of clothes are the only ones who aren't just with the clothes on their back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, So you, even if all you have is what you're wearing and what they gave you, you all now have more clothes than they do. Mm -hmm. And it was just so humbling how joyful they were, Mm -hmm. uh, just watching how much fun they had, you know, with, uh, an open space of blacktop and a stick, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. they did not need expensive sporting equipment. Uh, Mm. and, and and to see, see real joy, real happiness without so much of what we take for granted, just the clutter of an American life. So coming back is a shock. Mm -hmm. It really is. It was much more shocking to come back than it was to go. Mm. Um, And there is that temptation. There's that feeling like this must be wrong. Right. Right. It's it's, this just it's there's such a gluttony of things that this must be wrong. And in some cases, our stuff reflects our idolatry. Mm -hmm. In many other cases, our stuff is the accumulated blessing of faithful people who over many, many generations have worked hard and sought to be a blessing, a greater blessing to the next generation and and i I wish more of us could get past that initial shock and then just fall on our knees and be thankful yes. <laughs> you know and be hold thankful. it loosely right hold it loosely, but be uh-huh. thankful it,
2: it reminds me a little bit, maybe you guys have encountered this too that um and and uh for a time there you, you would, you'd talk to certain christians they would they would observe mm-hmm. that we take a lot for granted as yeah. christians uh, we take a lot for granted about our freedoms, we take a lot for granted about the abundance. Mm-hmm of uh I mean just how many bibles do you have around your house mm-hmm. let alone the extra biblical materials right. that you may have and um and again those in a similar fashion wonderful blessings to, yeah. to thank the lord for but but it's funny something there's a perspective that I've heard at times from certain fo- uh, you know just people over the years you know we take it for granted but we just need persecution. Then we'll appreciate it. And it's like, well, that's a kind of a negative. Mm-hmm. Way. I mean, it's true. You will appreciate it. But do you have to wait until no. you lose it to appreciate it? No. no. <laughs> no thank God for it now. Yeah. And I
1: would add too, um, and, and don't oh, be the person who does need it. Right. right. Some right. won't get the lesson until it's taken away. Don't and be that don't, guy. Don't be that
2: guy. <laughs> or or better yet, rather than it be taken away, if it takes mm-hmm. that, give it away. Sure. Give it away. Do Make a choice. And um, I mean, Jesus en- yeah. encouraged, uh, Jesus, of course, knew where, who's, what people's <laughs> idols were, right? Yeah. And then he would encourage them to give it away. <laughs> yes.
1: If the thing Top has been, if the thing has no longer become a symbol of, of God's goodness to you, mm-hmm. but it has become your idol. You always smash
2: your idols. Yes. And if that's your idol, smash it. <laughs> you know, get rid of it. Get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was an interesting book. Maybe you guys read this. Um, Gods at War. Mm. read that? Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting. I haven't uh, read it, but I've read it. It. Yeah. it is a book about idolatry and mm. uh, about modern idolatry. And it's convicting. Uh, For the modern Christian, as you read through, it's, I mean, God has dealt with me in this way, in, in, in the way that he, there were idols, even though I belonged to Christ, uh, came to know Christ as my savior, was uh, transformed by the grace of God at a young age, um, you can still erect idols nation of Israel did this regularly and idols are not necessarily graven images around the house. Although in some cultures they actually are. Um, I think the, the, the idol, the idolatry in the Western world is much more insidious. I think it's much more subtle and it it tends to be affections of the heart and um, trusting, trusting in your own capability to, 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 to make it through life trusting in treasure that you've stored up um in your bank accounts and your retirement accounts right. trusting in people um uh I love it, uh, clinging and 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 holding on to certain people uh as your provider or whatever there's all kinds of idols yeah and it was a really interesting book that that um I really had not thought about hmm. the presence of idols in my life. And actually God took me through, uh, in, as he probably has done all of us, harder times to, to, a, to point out and convict and then to eliminate those idols. In fact, um, what, what came to mind through a period of my life regularly was that, that wonderful story from the Old Testament. Where um, those dang Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant, and they thought they're going to be <laughs> slick, and they put it in one of their temples in front of one of their gods, Dagon, maybe? Dagon, Dagon, that's right. <laughs> and uh, and you could just you could see the Lord's. Mm-hmm. I love how our God hates idolatry, but he also has a wonderful sense of humor, right? And so he kept knocking, and the night would knock over the idol Oof. until his there hands and head fell off and all that. But I, it, it, but what's what's interesting in that story? is that the Philistines kept propping up they'd come in the next morning mm-hmm. and they all been knocked over and they would prop it back up again and uh, and of course eventually God just destroyed it and I was like man I can totally relate to that mm-hmm. God knocks something over that's that's that has my affection rather than him or mm-hmm. has my loyalty mm-hmm. and my trust rather than him and, uh, and yet I, I'm like, oh, no, who knocked this over? I need mm-hmm. to go prop this back up and get this in position and God <laughs> will keep knocking it over. But yep. <laughs> I wonder if for our kids, because we are raising kids, mm-hmm. not necessarily on the mission field. And I think as much as we're aware that the culture is darkened and the antagonism towards people, towards Christians in particular, has increased, we still live in amazing blessing and privilege and convenience mm-hmm. and freedom we and, do and i wonder for raising our
1: nothing not- of those things nothing that you just mentioned there is something that we should be ashamed of right yeah. praise <laughs> god for it thank you <laughs> yes um
2: you know but but uh how do we raise our kids how are you guys i mean caleb you're further along in, in the child rearing than chris or i are what have, what have you and Linda done to What's try to secret? instill, to, to, the secret, yeah, in, right? they, the secret, this will not be a secret much longer. Yeah. Uh, ah. What have you, t- what have you all done to instill a sense of appreciation, a sense of gratitude uh, with your kids when they're surrounded just in our community here by, by so much abundance? Hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to think if they're the reason, if they're, if they're grateful and uh, the reason I ask you that is because people that have young kids, myself included, younger, mm-hmm. we have great theories about the right way of doing things, and then you like put the theory into action and then give it time, and you're like, okay, that didn't work out like I wanted it to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been down the road well,
0: that, I think you're gonna have it's gonna be different with each each child. You're gonna have areas and times when when those things are confronted um, differently. Um yeah, I don't know. I guess not really an answer to that. So, here, here we go. Here we go. But that's something maybe I would talk about, <laughs> want to talk about instead. This, <laughs> this I can guy should be in politics. I, can, I yeah, don't yeah, like the, the, teacher, the question,
2: Someone answer the question. you I mean, uh, right you'd right have here. to ask
0: Linda, you'd have to ask <laughs> Linda about the, oh, <laughs> about teaching our kids to have gratitude. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, no. I mean, I think we've, we've, we've always wanted, you know, wanted them to be grateful for, for the things that they have. And, and we've had to, you know, they, they've seen, they've seen that the other kids don't have, you know, some of the things we've had, the older ones, especially they, they've lived in, in, you know, in places where, the options and the, the things were not were not the same as they are here. So they get it, I think. Uh, I think they've gotten that. We have to remind them of that, so uh, gratitude-wise. But that's an advantage they've had, right? Whereas uh, for for the younger ones coming up, they haven't had that advantage. For you guys, your kids haven't had that same advantage of living in another country where things have just been different. You know, not necessarily mm-hmm. wrong, yeah. but, but different um, and things aren't wrong here either. It's, it's just different. There's, you know... When you go to a store and there's, you know, a, a, you know, maybe a, a very small shelf of condiment options, um, you know, and then you walk into Walmart and there's, you know, an, an aisle that's, you know, I don't know. 50 feet long and it's, you know, eight feet high and both aisles, both sides just packed full of all your different options between, you know.
1: <laughs> and that doesn't include the exotic aisle, which yes. you aisles over, yeah, the then all the condiments from around foods, the world. Yeah. You know. So, uh,
0: you know, so, I mean, there's, there's, there's obviously vast differences there. Um, but I guess what I would, uh, you know, now that we've had a couple of kids that are one that's launched from the house and uh, and another one on on the way f- to launching uh or at least leaving uh ish from the house i mean <laughs> she's she's still anyway it's a little different with our boys than our girls, just in the sense that you know um that that launching looks a little different. You know, I think we've, I don't know if we talked about it on the porch before. I know Chris and I have talked about it and I'm sure maybe it was even in the context of the three of us, but that we would, our, our guys and our gals are a little different, right? Uh, our guys, there's a, there's a time when yeah. it's like, yeah, you need to, you need to go, but yet we don't anticipate our daughters not being somewhat dependent on us until that time that they are, um, given to, <laughs> given in, in marriage to another man, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who mm-hmm. is then responsible for them. So, um, but, uh. But, you know, one of the things we desire to do with our kids is to, and I think it helps with the appreciation is, 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 give them responsibility, um, early, um, and, and, and have expectations for that. Um, because really our desire is, you know, when they hit that 18 mark with our guys, especially, and this kind of comes back to that whole marriage and are they young enough? I mean, our desire was that, it would be that our, Linda and I, that our young men are, they're ready to get married. Mm. Because, because they are, they're responsible, they're willing to take responsibility, um, they've, they've been challenged in areas where, where, you know, and that they're, they're ready to, yeah, to, to work, to work hard, um, to provide, to, to see those things. And that's from watching our example, but also from us giving them opportunities to do that at home. And I was, you know, mentioning earlier, you know, the only kids that we do laundry for at home, at the home are, are the twins. Um, and they're starting to help, right? Like, like Lizzie does her own laundry. So middle school up, the expectation's always been, now nah, you're on your own now. Here's your hamper. We'll show you how to do it. You know, here's the way we think it's done best. If you want to mix colors and whites or you want to, you, you do what you want, but you know, <laughs> but it's better to do it this way, you know, so we've, <laughs> we've, we've taught them. Um, and so, yeah, our kids all have tasks around the house that they do. And then depending on their level of activity outside the home and other things, we, we, you know, we do, every child has been different. You know, you have to remind them of that. Yeah, you're right. He's not doing as much of this and that and the other thing, but that's because he's doing, you know, all these other things um, in areas in which he needs to show responsibility and we expect him to follow through. And so I don't know that that's, that's an answer, but, but I think that it should be a target. I think for, for Christian mm. uh, dads, we should be looking at our, at our, at our young men, especially and saying when they leave my, because Ultimately, 18, you shoot him out of the nest or out of the quiver or out of the bow, whatever analogy you want to use, <laughs> kick him out of the nest, whatever it is. Uh, um, you know, that, that's your shot, right? You've, you've, you've got done as, really the work that you're going to do in that, in that capacity as, as a, as a, as a dad. At that point, they're young men, and we need to treat them like young men, and expect them to be young men, mm-hmm. and, and expect them to, to live. So, you know, if they still want to play some board games or video games or whatever, that's fine. But that needs to be moderated, right? right? And so, and so that's with responsibility and and the expectation that they live in the basement playing video games throughout their later teen years is ridiculous. Yes, right. Yes. I mean, so it's fine if it's done done a little bit, and and that's coming from a guy that as a you know, for me, I was a. I was a very avid video gamer into my twenties. I mean, I was, you know, I, I was pretty good. Yeah. I'll just say, you know, <laughs> what was your what so, was your game of choice? Uh, I mean, I was pretty good. I mean, GoldenEye, of course, with uh, that was because yes. I was still in the Nintendo sixty four mm. um, era. But but after that, um, uh, Halo. I mean, that was I would take. Any of it we could hold hook multiple Xboxes together and I could take myself, any of Aiden and his friends on. Great game. No problem. Great game. Uh, Single handedly. Still? Still? No, nice. not now. Not now. Okay Go well hands. the problem I know I, I probably could with, with like Halo Combat Evolved, like maybe Halo Three. The problem is they, they got into there's too many additional things that yeah. they came Expansions. Yeah, and all with stuff <laughs> in some of the later ones that I, I, I began to lose some of my Skill your edge. Yeah, I didn't really like Halo 2. but anyway,
2: but and, and, <laughs> but, I, and I've stopped playing now, so it's you know I just I, I don't was play reading anything. an analysis of of uh, gaming addiction. It was you know, some I, I'd have to look up which school studied this. I'm not saying you were addicted, but I know I have a capacity to be to uh, to game too, So I kind of had to delete it all. Not because it was necessarily bad; it just took up more time of mine than I than it should have for me. But what's really interesting is it's the, particularly for, for young men, it is, according to this study, it had to do with known reward, known, like the whole idea of putting in effort to get reward Mm -hmm. out and accomplishment, it, 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 gaming has that. Mm -hmm. And what's fascinating is uh, what it says about either for a lot of young men that aren't being raised this way, or or just maybe the realities of the real world, the idea that it's, it's less certain I can put in time and effort and I don't get a level up at the end. That's that's, Mm -hmm. but I think it's interesting though, because it kind of speaks to what a lot of people are looking for. Mm -hmm. and, And I think, especially with our, with in our child rearing, um, you know instilling a sense of reward in that it's important like I've always thought that's important that like when you do you do the right thing that's great but there's there is a and the reward may not be tangible the reward might be um you know something else you're you're serving because you want to you want to please the lord that is a form of a reward but i think that's so important a lot of times um yeah. what you see is 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 a sense of hopelessness can form in people that are going through going through an endless cycle and there's no light Mm. at the end of the tunnel. Mm. And, and I think that can uh, talk about demoralizing and certainly leading to a sense. uh, I think it impacts um, it can create a lack of gratitude because there's no hope. And, uh, and so I think with our kids, it's, I think it's fantastic. And I really respect what you described about giving them responsibility so that they can stand on their own, and then I imagine too, so as you go through celebrating. Not, not after a while, are you celebrating every time the kid does laundry? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, but celebrating, telling our kids, you know what, you're doing a good job. Because I think as parents, we have a tendency to point out the wrong, because that's part of our job. Mm-hmm. But but also encouraging them too on the hey, you're doing well at this. And I think what I love too is as you mentioned. The intentionality, I know you probably don't mm-hmm. use that word much, kid. I do, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> the, Especially you not know, with gospel in the front the, of it, but anyway. the, Yes, the intentionality with which you and Linda are approaching, <clears throat> mm-hmm. we want these little, these little adults that are growing into our home into being independent. Mm-hmm. We want them to be able to stand on their own. Mm-hmm. And, at, 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 you know, I think you mentioned 18. Well, uh, I, I It's going to vary yeah. a little bit based yeah. on the personality in the situation, but I think that's just, fantastic. Like there's a process, there's light at the end of the tunnel for those guys. Cause they, and when I say light at the end of the tunnel, they just realize there's a purpose to this.
0: Yeah. And there's, and there's a bit of, uh, there's, I mean, there's a seriousness to that. I mean, especially as they get older and you realize, I mean, my, my opportunity to, you know, to really build into this life. Now, if you've got a good relationship, that's fantastic. I mean, yeah. ho- hopefully it, it ends with a good relationship. So, you know, like with, with Aiden, you know, he spends time with us. He, he comes to us with these questions. He wants advice and, and that's the kind of relationship you want to have, but you, you turn into an advisor, right? And, and, yes. and so that's where, you know, for, for our kids, you know, that's kind of where we, where we've seen that is, you know, there comes a time where you're a young adult, you're going to have to make decisions on your own, but we're, but we're here for you and yes. we're here not to, not to help you along or to enable you to make bad choices, but we're here to help you work through what the consequences and how to, you know, proceed through some of those choices might be. And, and, and of course we're, you know, we're here. So anyway, I, but, but, you know, it's a, um yeah, they need, the expectation should be that they grow up. Right. And I, and I think mm-hmm. that, that so often that's not the case, but we need to
2: see it that way. um And maintain that advisor role. Uh, a friend of mine, little, mm-hmm secular metaphor here, but he, he shared this with me. Um, I'm going to share this with you guys. I don't remember, but, uh, his, his kids are at some elite private school in Seattle. Um, you know, so he and his wife, um, invested heavily in their, in their kids education and and you know, they're not Christians. So they've, you know, they have their their different priorities, but he said that, um, when they got, when I think it was his oldest, got accepted at this elite high school probably cost more than my college education mm-hmm. um the the headmaster cuz they don't have principals mm-hmm. at at these elite Type wait they hold, have, on, hold, they on, hold on hold on they have headmasters right
1: this, this was not a christian education institution no no in seattle in seattle that still called their leader a headmaster,
2: headmaster. yes that's a big no no mm. right now a little snooty it is now now keep in mind um this the, the, this girl at, i mean the school probably doesn't have that title now right keep in mind this <laughs> this has got a little age on it but what he right. shared with me is the 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 headmaster Brought all the parents in and had all the kids leave for the orientation. And then he said, I'm going to speak directly to the parents. And, th- and this was what the, the guy told all the parents. He says, Up until now, you've been the CEO of a company that is your child's life, you're about to be fired what you need to make sure is that you get hired back as a consultant. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So for all the business people in the room, because those are the only people who can afford these kinds of schools, they all like Mm -hmm. immediately got it because most of them probably were CEOs. (laughs) My friend is a CEO, Um, but it's something, I think there's something interesting in there that the relationship evolves. Mm -hmm. And I, and I have seen, I, in fact I even experienced this a little bit in my own life that there was a uh, with mom and dad, when they fired us off into the world, it was kind of a, Hey, if you ever need anything, call. And and I don't know that that was healthy for either me or my sister either. Mm-hmm. It was kind of extreme. I think mom and dad meant it well, and they really did try to prepare us. And I think they did in many ways, mm-hmm. but, but, to, but that's that, that sense of, you don't want to, you know, when, when we fire our kids off maintaining if you can, that mm-hmm. that relationship as an advisor, um, as a, and I would say on, you know, an ongoing mentor too, those are essential. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of, I think a lot of young people have, even, and maybe it's generational, my generation, a lot of people I chat with experience the same thing kind of, okay, you're out there. Love you. We'll see you come home for the holidays. But if you ever need anything, let us know. But, but it was almost like the, the relationship, had kind of been cut off almost and mm. certainly don't want to do that.
0: No, don't want to do that. Um, bring your boys along with you on things. I mean, I know you guys mm. do both do that and I know you, whether it's mowing the lawn and it's one mm. of the weird things, you know, we get this discussion between uh, the our Josiah and between Aiden, you know, because Josiah's like, how come Aiden doesn't do outdoor stuff, you know? <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, we never had a yard. I mean, the reality is in most of Aiden's life, right. we never, there was no, there was no mowing the lawn. In Italy, we didn't have a lawn, right? There was no mowing the lawn; it was sweep the floor. You know, like there was no lawn to mow. Uh, and even here, when we first moved back for a, a brief moment, we had a, a lawn, uh, and then we moved in above the furniture store, no and we were there. in an apartment. There yeah. was gravel out back. You know, I mean, it was uh, so, don't mow, so uh, don't, 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 mow don't mow, don't mow gravel, don't mow gravel, and break lots of windows. Um, <laughs> but uh, but you know, then we then then Life what, tips what, from the porch. As Josiah has been, been been growing up, we, we've been in a home, and you know. I mean, Aiden was basically working his way out, you know, and 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 Josiah was working his way up through the through the hardworking ranks, and so you know he's had to do a lot more of the, uh, the outdoor manual labor than as chore type stuff than uh, than uh, than the other one did. But but like one of the things yeah. that I try to do, even with my girls, is hey, teach them how to mow the lawn. I don't mow the lawn. Teach them how to mow the lawn, maybe. But uh, teach them how to change the oil in their car. Mm-hmm. You know, we still change the oil in our car because I can. Because I know how, but also because because it's a great opportunity to show my boys how to change oil in their cars and, and, and to learn something. Too, they'll and our daughters a, they'll yeah. save
2: a ton of money doing that. They will, they, and
0: you know, and so those are some of the little things, though. Yeah. That you know, haircuts, oil changes. That if those are their expectations that you're going to just pay for all those things when you if you move out. So we're talking about you know we were talking earlier about getting married mm-hmm. young and and what that can look like. You can really live on a lot less than you think you can live. That's so true. If your expectations aren't that you're going to get a $30 haircut every couple of months and you're going to go change your oil for $100 or something crazy. Right. Uh, you know, getting That's your true. oil changed or every little thing that you have to do work on your car, you're going to just take it into the shop because – yeah, you're right. You probably can't afford to live and, and provide don't for your family your hundred
1: bucks a month worth of subscriptions to all your entertainment well, ex- sources. stuff. Ex- ex- so oh, yeah. You know, exactly.
0: exactly. Yeah, so, coffee. <laughs> coffee. Yeah. Your coffee. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's so. So, you know, realistic expectations are important. Living frugally is important. Knowing how to be content with a little mm-hmm. bit is important um, for those couples that are going to make that decision to to get married young. So, I I don't think that's not possible. <laughs> but I think we need to train our young men with those understanding with the, as well. I think Syria is keeping track
1: of, I think you're giving a oh relationship. I just noticed your watch is we're transcribing, transcribing <laughs> every
2: podcast. Uh, and we uh, also so have it subscribed. Like, oh, this is great it's, advice.
1: It's, I mean, <laughs>
2: you know, if the government wants to spy on us, we're, we're going to publish this <laughs> episode know, in like 24 hold hours. On, yeah, hold on, hold on. Just right. give it a minute. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know so something anyway. else too, I, I love that. Um, taking, taking mental tips over here from what you're sharing, Caleb. I think there's l- so much wisdom there. I think something else that's interesting is in. Um, I heard a comment recently that kind of, kind of, you know. After a while, when you hear a lot of things and you read a lot of things, it's pretty rare that you get surprised. I don't know about you guys. It's not to say that you've known everything. It's it's actually probably a form of cynicism setting in. Um, but one of the I heard a comment recently that really kind of threw me. Uh, it, it it really made me think, and it was interesting. It was from somebody talking about how in their experience an emphasis on frugality they actually regretted that it made them less generous now i won't unpack it fully fascinating conversation but i think that's hmm. i think that's really an interesting point it's not a strike at frugality but it's i think in the midst of our frugality in the midst of us taking care and being stewards keeping and, and letting our kids get involved in this too hmm. keeping front and center the generosity hmm. Um that is part of our testimony, not just tithing. Sure. Um, I, I kinda I don't know about you guys, I think you know at least the way we we came up, tithing was kinda like a baseline thing, right? And mm. even the percentage was well, there's some, you know, questions about that. It was like, that's your baseline, pull that off your gross, because it's all God's. Never never mm. get cheap on God. Um but then that when the frugality um that that hopefully we're putting into practice when it, uh, it, it it ought to yield not only not only savings for a rainy day and all that, but ought to yield the capacity to be generous as well. And I think that generosity is such a huge part of gratitude. Mm-hmm. And and doing so, I don't know about you guys, but doing so as anonymously as possible because some of my favorite when I've been the recipient of generosity, mm-hmm. which often happens in your earlier years more than your later years, right? But man, I remember mm-hmm. the 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 ex the excitement of finding uh, and someone had had been generous. But but when they when they slipped money into your Bible at church because mm-hmm. they knew you had nothing, um, and they had more. God had let the excitement of that was, and although I'm pretty sure I know who did it, um, Frank. <laughs> although Frank's not listening to our show, I think it was Frank. But this is years ago. But the excitement of it was God, thank you, thank you, and there was an hmm. excitement about that. And I can only imagine the excitement the person had at sliding a a, f- a few hundreds into my Bible, and and just different experiences like that over the years. And I think what can happen, especially since for us um, here in the inland northwest, where we're all, um, although I'm an outsider, but I'm I'm slowly adapting, and I'm not sure if I like it. Um, we're we're you you know you do. We're indip- independent, <laughs> pull up our bootstraps kind of people, right? And that that part. Uh, don't don't <laughs> t- t- don't embrace that part. <laughs> and we're we're all like islands, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but what can what can happen is is it I, I think it can affect our ability. and I'm not just saying money, gifts mm-hmm. of money for generosity, but gifts of service. Um, we were in Galatians last night with the kids. We just started in chapter five, um, felt the one kid that volunteered to read. And I had him read through one verses one through 15, and it must have the word circumcision about seven times in there. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think he was regretting that volunteering, but, um, um, but as we get into the reason Christ, our freedom, why has Christ set us free? And it is, it is lovingly serving others, um, as at least, at least part of it. And, and I think that lovingly serving others is something so critical. So mm. teaching our kids responsibility, and then also acting out modeling and involving them in what it looked, what it means to lovingly serve others. And, and I mean, if your resources are enough to be able to secretly bless people, mm. what a blessing, even for the kids. Um, and what's been kind of cool is, is even with the little bit of cash they make once in a while, seeing them voluntarily participate, mm. in not only tithing, again, that's baseline stuff. Um, I don't want to call it amateur, hour, but that's like, that's <laughs> like, you know, baseline mm-hmm. stuff, but in other things, it's really exciting. And I think those, the con- contribution of teaching responsibility and teaching generosity and the purpose of this, this life is not to amass stuff or it's not even to a mass retirement fund. I, I think that has worked itself into the church at large quite a bit. Um, yes, you ought to be responsible. Absolutely. And you ought to plan ahead. Absolutely. Those are biblical principles, but, uh, but along the way, let's not forget to, 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 in, to teach and model generosity into our kids. Cause you don't even have, you don't have to be rich to be generous with your, in fact, the beg the, some of the best acts of generosity, if I might share, Um, especially as you get older, nobody gives you presents that you need anymore. Cause like, if you need socks, you buy socks and if you need shoes, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you buy shoes. By the way, guys, uh, here's a, here's a porch tip, buy cheap shoes and buy nice insoles. You win every time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Interesting. (laughs) Anyway, point being, you don't get cool gifts as you get older. You guys probably are in that mode, right? But one, there is a, there is a family I know they, 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 God has provided for their needs, but they are not by any means wealthy. And some of my, the most meaningful gifts I've ever received hmm. is from this couple. And, and maybe this is a, a note um, to teach your kids again how to be generous with people. They, they've never given me anything that cost much, but the, the, the letter, the, the cards that they write, about what they see God doing in your life and how, oh my goodness, these are like the things you will never throw away. And so, I mean, I had one Christmas where I, I don't even remember the present, especially when, when you're mostly Uncle Nate, you get all these books about bathroom humor <laughs> that you're like, okay, there's another poop poop book. I'm sorry, nephews and nieces, but <laughs> please, I've got enough of that. Um, but then you, you, you open up a card that isn't just something, I mean, it's mostly Mm -hmm. handwritten, right? And, and you're, you're, I guess I'll use the word devastated, but in a wonderful way, like you are completely floored at the generosity of the encouragement in the, in the letter. Um, It's thought through, like they've paid attention to what's going on in your life. Anyway, that kind of, Mm. my point being, generosity doesn't have to cost anything Mm. um, except, sometimes just some time Mm -hmm. and some, some attention. So, so maybe some tips there. I've certainly taken Mm -hmm. some from, from you guys today about, about how to raise our kids to be independent, but also independent in the capacity they can be absolutely generous with what God's given them.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a way to, Pull it back to them, what it means to be too young, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? We're not talking, it isn't an age question. It is a maturity question. And we, as we were discussing a little bit before we, we went live, there's an advantage to young people that uh, don't have it all figured out before they get married, that are figuring it out together and forming those categories together. But if they don't have some of these basic uh, heart uh, bricks laid, mm-hmm. then, then they can't build successfully. And yeah. I think that's a big part of what our job is as parents is we're, we're tending so much to the foundations. Did we dig it down deep enough that it can survive the frost? Did we pour it without gaps so that it won't burst? Did we reinforce the parts that are going to take the strain so that they can bear the weight mm-hmm. that will come one day that they don't even know they will need? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we know where the pressures will be uh, likely to come in, in the future. And when you when you can step back and you can see this foundation, it's deep, it's strong, it's square, uh, and and our children understand how to begin to lay the planks on it, then then they're old enough, mm-hmm. you know, then they're old enough. Um, otherwise, doesn't matter how old they are, it's you've never waited long enough to build on a bad foundation, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and yeah. yeah
0: yeah and and but the the temptation can be that that the house needs to be built right first before yeah, they're ready and that, and that's not the case and I think that's no. the
1: you the, don't want two constructed <laughs> buildings and then we're trying to glue them together <laughs> that's hard and a lot and, of marriages
0: look and, like but that. a lot of times that that can happen as mm-hmm. well, and so that can be the the other the the other the other edge of that is uh yeah you know I, I would say uh,
2: that's probably what you just described chris that picture of of you know, the man has his house that he's built and the woman has her house that they've built. And somehow in marriage, they've just kind of shoved them together, but it's still two dis- distinct structures. Right. I really think that's probably the modern secular view of a successful marriage. It is. Um, the ma- You know, he's got his career. She's got her career. Mm-hmm. The kids have been outsourced to the best schools. So they've got their own mm-hmm. little foundations and houses being built. And um, and what's interesting is i think that is exactly what happens when christ is not at the center of that marriage hmm. and and hmm. and you know it's nothing revelation no nothing that's a you know an epiphany here we've we've all heard it but i think it is so true that in in a marriage where man and woman come together And what is ultimately drawing them closer together is that they're both pursuing Christ Mm -hmm. and both pursuing Christ with, with their whole heart, with their mind, um, their, their heart, their strength. And then they are loving their neighbors as themselves and their closest neighbor is your spouse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, and, and that, but that the, that where the two become one is, is, is all centered on, on what, on the work that Christ is doing in both of their lives. And he is what stitches us together with our spouses.
1: Yeah. And, and the advantage of having that start young when, when a lot of things are still particularly malleable, particularly fluid uh, you know, we, we sometimes look back and we say, wow, I was so immature at at those seasons of life. And so, and and these sorts of things, and that's true. uh, And that's generally true across the board but how how much of a of a good thing is it when a child at least has the category for what that humility is supposed to look like when they understand what it's supposed to look like by by having seen it in their parents by having watched it modeled to be put together with somebody else uh and and to to come to those um come to those points of sanctification together as a couple and so now when you fast forward uh, how how beneficial beneficial is it when a couple's in their in their their, their mid thirties and they 've already got a decade plus you know of having yeah. built this life yeah. together when they 're coming into their f- mid forties um, they 're not trying to figure out how do I parent for the first time right um, as as some of that energy and the season of life that's conducive to that is now past and and the extra exhaustion and the frustration and the the Pockets of selfishness and pride that have been sort of encased encapsulated because they, we, we grew around those things when we were young and we Mm. didn't. And instead of having been had those exposed immediately, you know, Mm. and, and you don't have 20 years of oneness behind you. uh, You're wrestling with those things to, to come into your later, later years with a half century, you know, um, of, of time together. There's, I think a lot of people that will be sad to realize someday how much sweetness they will never know um, because they were, they were waiting so long to begin a thing that God had already prepared them for, had they been diligent much earlier. And you don't get to make that up on the other end. (laughs) You you, you run to the end of of your timeline and, and that's it. And there's There's these couples we have in our church that are, are later in life. And, and you just see, uh, I talked to a gentleman on Sunday, uh, who had just finished observing his 60th, you know, wedding Mm -hmm. anniversary Mm -hmm. and, uh, still with a twinkle in his eyes, he talked about his bride and, Mm -hmm. uh, talking like, it was yesterday about dating her 60 Mm -hmm. years ago, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. uh, and there's, there's a kind of sweetness, there's a kind of oneness, that you you don't make any you can't make fast it just takes that long to form and then to be able to be in that kind of a position and to enjoy uh your kids your grandkids your great grandkids to see the fruit of that faithfulness there's just so much there that a big portion of of our culture will never know, will never see, will never know that they didn't know. Mm. Uh, they haven't seen it modeled. They won't experience it. And then they're perpetuating these expectations that will deny those same things to their children. And and in the church, I hope that we can we can push back on that. Uh, and and there are those. Um, you know, I I saw somebody else in our church uh, observing the anniversary of the death of a spouse. You know, this week and. In God's providence, that isn't going to be the roadmap for anybody. There's no way to guarantee how things turn out, but there's a design that God has put into place that if we will embrace it young, teach our children to work hard, teach our children to be genuinely thankful, teach them to have expectations that if if I have food and shelter and clothing with these, I shall be content, mm-hmm. right? And that my heart doesn't need anything else for for happiness, you know, make them read The Rare Jewel of Christian contentment by mm. Jeremiah Burroughs, mm. you know, that sort of a thing. Um, let let them see that some of the things that they've grown up enjoying are the fruit of many, many years of of your faithfulness and work. That this mm. is not where we started out. This is not where you should think you're going to begin your life and um, and then launch them out into the world where what they're excited about building is not, is not the stuff they're excited about the relationships uh, that God has given them with him, with their spouse, with their church, with the world around them. Um, They, they, they have a a man in that picture who, who's excited at the idea of coming into chaos and forming it, right? Uh, Not somebody who demands to be given a kingdom and everybody who will obey him, right? right you know somebody who wants to subdue and then have dominion, not somebody who says hey i 'm entitled to uh, a throne in a in a comfy palace and and a young woman who 's excited to say, uh, "What will it look like if I start with with very little and begin to invest faithfully, lovingly into filling that with life over time over time and and wants to see." not just a garden that you walk into that's already the envy of the neighborhood, but wants to see what it's like. If, if I have nothing but a weed patch and time, what can I do? You know, that, that kind of a mentality that if we weave that into our children, then yeah, they're, they're going to be fine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I like that quality. And I realize we've had Boy, we should have wrapped a little bit ago, but that's 100 okay. 100 minutes of. Yes. <laughs> 100 minutes for <laughs> our 100th uh, So we've got no, a little we ways, don't go. have a ways to go. Yeah. The, um, but, uh, the 70 minutes. That yes. quality of being, uh, boy, what a thing to aspire to, to have the capability to step into chaos and bring some order. Yeah. Love uh, the mission. That quality is something that is valuable in almost any commercial venue I can think of. Yeah. Um, any service or ministry venue I can think of, mm-hmm. but, uh, and it's, it's not easy, but that, that quality of being able to step into something and someone's like, how will you do that? And a big part of the answer is I don't know yet, mm-hmm. but I'm going to yeah. step in there and, and do, and, mm-hmm. and through the God's strength, follow, be led by the spirit and, and, and this is going to be better because of because one of God's children was here, and that's going to be me, right? Yeah. Um, this situation will be better in some capacity. And those
1: people form communities that really do understand what that needs to look like. I um, mean, there's a big part of the pioneering spirit in America. Um, yes, there's some negative aspects of the pioneering move in America and manifest destiny, and some of those things that were sinful, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. But the the idea of um, i 'm going to work really, really hard because I just walked into a patch of forest that it, that is chaos, and my life is going to be spent ripping stumps and roots out of this ground and trying not to die every winter and Then my son right and my daughter are going to learn how to keep this soil rich and and full of nutrients as they grow crop after crop, and then they're able to expand to the next field. And then their children are going to be able to start uh, to connect this little pocket of civilization with another little pocket of civilization with the rudimentary road. And then their kids are going to be able to start to build a shop that attracts people from outside. And we're going to put a train in, and we're going to start to have commerce. And we're going to then start looking at the next frontier. And it sounds and, like a video this- game. I keep getting ads for about building a- up. <laughs> oh, building. there you You're go. Right There's yeah. a process here, but you know what? What happens there and has happened in American history, literally, you know, in this in this land, was not always an expression just of brute capitalistic greed, right? right? Uh, what made a lot of these things work in America in a way that they didn't in other countries was, yes, some factors of providence in in the right timing and civilization and a Geography. resource-rich yeah. country and all these sorts of things. But a lot of what made it successful was what they still refer to as a Puritan work ethic, that the inculcated value and goodness of do whatever you're going to do the best you can do it unto the Lord and and a desire to do that maybe where it's never been done before, and so the the, the Puritans didn't just raise kids that sat around going give me everything, <laughs> right? They they raised kids who loved to work as much as their parents did, and that's a that's an art that
2: is not easy to replicate. Well, those those some of those phrases to describe that have become. I, they're almost scorned in the culture. Pride of ownership, and I think partly because some of those phrases got abused. You abu- didn't build that. Yeah, got abused. <laughs> kind of live in a disposable economy mm-hmm. now. There's very mm-hmm. little sense. Uh, very, very little pride. Although I think there's I a resurgence. it's coming back. Yeah. There's a resurgence. I think so. um, Of craftsmanship, uh, quality, and craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. You see this on in the in the YouTube world. For sure. Yeah. People that are mm-hmm. could have gone out and bought the thing. Um, but instead, they've poured themselves into it and created something truly beautiful that will last generations. Yeah. Um, but that, but that mindset, uh, that mindset is something that I think on, uh, a, on, a, on a cultural level has probably grown up out of a dissatisfaction with junk because there's always just junk everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But I think too, at a, at a parenting level, that's something that, that can absolutely be nurtured. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and grown uh in our kids well caleb is this the time we ought to steal a chris phrase land this plane or Mm. uh, what do you think should we go for a hundred minutes i don't know if i've got the gas to do it (laughs) no no (laughs) No, we shouldn't shouldn't do it just to do it that's for sure
1: we shouldn't do it to us we shouldn't do it to our listeners
2: 74 (laughs) that's a little ways out there yeah yep.
0: but no uh, we, we are very thankful for you uh our listeners we're thankful for you uh choosing to spend your time listening to to us um have our, these discussions that are valuable to us because that's why we decided to do this and we hope are valuable to you i know for a few of us, at least family members, uh, appreciate listening to, what do you guys talk about anyway? And I think that's part of the reason. You guys get together. What do you talk about? So we're like, well, we should share it with people. Uh, so, but uh, we, we are thankful for, for all of you and uh, eager to have you uh, connect with us on the porch. Uh, you can go to our website, bombadillosporch.com, and uh, and leave us a message there if you want to. Leave us a, a voice message or um, or, uh, if you'd like for us to talk about something specific, let us know about that as well. You can drop us an email. Um, we'd love to have you on the porch if you, if you get the opportunity, uh, and there's something you want us to discuss or something you'd like to discuss with us. Uh, we're always excited about that. So, uh, but yeah, just, uh, just leaving you with, uh, a, with, a, with a thank you. Thanks for listening to three Christian dads, uh, discuss things that are important to us, important to, that we see happening in the world that we see happening in our community and in our culture and, uh, And we are thankful for you.